0: You're listening to Masters of Web3, a Transact podcast. Join your hosts, Sammy Start, Transact co founder and CEO, and me, former CNBC money journalist Megan DiMatteo. For an exclusive look into the stories behind the world's most well-known Web3 startups, every episode we conduct interviews with the high-profile founders, developers, and innovators building the world's most widely adopted blockchain protocols. We want you to hear about the highs and lows experienced along the founder's journey in the crypto space from the people behind the tech that's changing our world and get a 360 degree look at how blockchain innovation is disrupting the internet as we know it. So welcome to Masters of Web 3. Welcome everyone to episode 16 of Masters of Web 3. Today we have Gwendolyn Regina and she is the investment director at BNB Chain. We are so happy to have you, Gwendolyn. The timing couldn't be more perfect because there are just so many things that I want to talk to you about today that are relevant to what's going on in this space. Particularly, I'm interested in, uh, in your role and your mission at b and Chain because I think so many entrepreneurs are interested in getting into Web3, but it's also a very tumultuous landscape right now, or at least it appears that way to the outside world. So we're happy to have you kind of demystify that process a little bit and, and talk about your, your predictions from your point of view. So welcome. Thank you, Megan. Very excited, very very excited. I'm gonna do a little like formal bio, but then I promise I'll stop blabbering and I'll give you the mic. Um, but just so that everybody knows, you know, like I said, Gwendolyn Regina is an investment director at B Chain, and. In that role, you're responsible for accelerating the growth and development of the BNB Chain ecosystem, and the way that you do that is through strategic partnerships. So that's like partnering with startups and um, streamlining the processes around deals, portfolio management, and new venture development. Prior to joining BNB Chain, you spent 16 years in media, and I personally have a lot of questions for you about that, including starting your own publication, SG Entrepreneurs, uh, which was then acquired by Tech in Asia and you led Mashable's Asia development initiatives. Um, you also have a technology background as well in Asia Pacific, Paris, and Silicon Valley. You cre- you were at Meta briefly as well for a year and a half or two years, I think. Uh, creating- yeah, a year and a half. Yeah, creating Meta's uh, startup fast track growth program um, as the head of VC relationships there. So you have such a wealth of experience. I love talking to w- Web3 people because everybody's like, everybody's like a unicorn and a gem. Everybody has these really varied backgrounds that makes them like a specific expert and like with such a unique point of view because of all of the different diverse experiences that people have had. And, and there's a lot of like multi-passionate, multidisciplinary people. And I definitely include you in that category. I love learning about your background. I'm on it, Megan.
1: You are too, you know that, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was like, I found my people whenever I whenever I first, you know, got introduced to this space.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you're you're right. It's like your people because you feel like you understand and you're understood.
0: Yes. And you don't have to just be one thing, you know? You don't have to just be an investor. You can also like have this creative background and and you know have media experience, for example. And and I want to talk to you about about that for sure and so this actually kind of dives into my first question which is have you always been both entrepreneurial and creative and how did you feel when you found the web 3 space did you do you feel that it's expansive enough to give you the type of growth experiences that you are continually seeking as a professional
1: and as a person wow big question megan (laughs) but very important that touches almost the soul at the individual level i love that yeah um the answer is yes, but I'll go back even further, right? So for me, the key thing I think that really, really drives me is I'm curious about a lot of things, but also I'm very curious about how the world works in general, how the universe works. So I am I come from a um, very science, very physics kind of interest and background, uh, much uh, like a long time ago. And, you know, in that field and people who are interested in, in such stuff, you're always asking questions, right? So for me, it's always about what's happening now? What can be done with like literally science and, and technology that enables us to, that changes the world in a fundamentally different way? So Web3 for me, it's, it's a nice term and it excites me deeply. And I'm still learning. We can go into that shortly. Um, but really I see it as an evolution, yet also at the same time a step change in just technology. Yeah. So again, like many years ago, the when the wheel was first invented, that was technology. When paper was first invented, that is technology. Right? So Web3 for me it's it's just a, again another quote unquote a piece of technology. So in, in what I do in generally, I, I re- really love, you know, improvisation. I love uh, the ability to create something new, the building, the entrepreneurialism, as you mentioned. So I think Web3 really takes it to another extreme, right? Because you have a lot of composability. So I, I I've kind of, th- this term I really, really like is that there's a lot of improvisational abundance. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's the way I call it. That's the way I see it, right? Because when you look at Web2, you have the ability, you had the ability for people to meme on top of each other, right? You have the ability to, again, uh, a lot of TikToks, the, the Instas and stuff like that. And you have the open source uh, on the tech side. Okay, that's the creative side. And then the tech side, you have open source programs, right? Open source code. Yeah. Web3 takes it to the extreme, You have now developers really all about composability because that is Web3. But at the same time, creators now, you can have a whole value ecosystem. So for me, I call it improvisational abundance because I think Web3, again, takes the whole aspect of improvising over someone else's work to the extreme Mm. so there's a much more abundance but also again abundance in the sense that now there's more a more equitable kind of value exchange again it's not just skewed to one side you know the community can also share in your growth so i'm really 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 excited about this aspect of web three
0: i love that improvisational abundance i'm so into that and i think something that's interesting too is that there's there's so much buy-in among the stakeholders that are in this space right now, whether they're investors, developers, founders, or even just creators and users. Um, so like that improvisational element, like there's also an element of standardization and that people are upholding the space too. So like code is open source to your point. Um, and yet like People aren't just like riffing and creating. Kind of like, I mean, you have like the shit coins of the world, right? Who are just like, let me let me make this random coin and see how how it explodes. And there are about twenty thousand different cryptos at this point. But at the same time, like the biggest projects that are moving forward, that are really emerging as leaders in the space, are are gathering around the table together to really uphold a level of like professional standard st- standardization and like making sure that this open source ethos also has a high, like a high level of quality that's associated with it too.
1: Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. So I think the one thing regarding Web3 is that it's we're still very, very in the early stages, right? Super nascent. You have different people building different things and we all know about the talk about interoperability, right? Yeah. But to really um, have a world where it is much more um portable again of your own data and stuff like that you do need uh, a set of quote-unquote standardization as you mentioned such that you know one chain can read another you can port assets over and stuff like that right so i think the the world of web3 has a lot of these aspects as well because you cannot have two siloed like you have all the different blockchains. For example, they don't talk. Then you're you're in walled gardens. Same thing as in Web two, right? Yeah. So, so I really love this multi chain world where people are really thinking again about the portability of um, data, you know, and 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 just ownership in general, and the ability to just create a new web, a new internet that allows more people to participate.
0: I love this conversation, and we're kind of going a little bit off script, but that's very much my style. <laughs>
1: Mine too. I I, I love just random conversations, flowing conversations. Same, same. I
0: I feel bad sometimes whenever I send guests questions ahead of time, because sometimes people really request that. And um, and I'm like, I just want to let you know that this is like, these are guidelines. But if I find something interesting, I just really want to go, I really want to double down and go into it. And you mentioned walled gardens and tech. And I think anybody who's familiar with tech, uh, the history of of tech startups is like that was a, that was a major conversation and a very intentional decision that people made a long time ago to, to make, um, you know, the foundational tech protocols open source so that we could use the internet, for example, in all different places of the world. Um, And I think like as blockchain emerges as the future of um, financial infrastructure and, Met the, the Metaverse and social like, social engagements and um, gaming and even commerce and retail. I'm curious, and you don't have to, you don't have to like, because you were at, you were at Meta, you were at Facebook, and you don't have to like talk about anything proprietary. But I'm curious, like, is is that idea of like the walled garden versus the open source? Um, I don't know. Gathering of the minds, so to speak, like is that an a conversation that you're seeing in all spaces, including the kind of big tech leaders of today? Are they talking about things in terms of like the walled garden approach versus the open source approach?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think the walled garden um, conversation has evolved, right? I, I do see less talk about walk gardens specifically as a term, but I think that the, the evolved to much more about like, the I think the question now that is being asked more often is that how can we have a world where the users are not the product? yeah. As much, right? As Web 2. Yeah. So again, right? The whole point is that in Web 2, when you're using it, we enjoy using these products, but we're also the product. Our data is all and, and, and stuff like that. So, so yeah. So I think that conversation has shifted to really thinking about, um, kind of the present slash future, right? How do you, um, how do you transition from this world with web, web 2 world where, where all of us used to 3 billion people use like Facebook products, like a Meta's products? That, that's insane, right? And how Half do you the move world. this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, how do you move this? Almost. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Isn't eight billion now already? Almost. Are we at eight already? I think, Last time I checked, it was. I think so. Ugh. Seven. Yeah, I think so. I think eight or close to eight. I think. Yeah, we can double check later. Okay, but okay. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so yeah so wait, I think it's it's transition to okay. Um, It's less about, so portability of ownership of data and, you know, where the users are quote-unquote not a product, I think it's important. But it's also now shifted to a bit more, um, like an equitable sharing of the growth of the community. So I think it shifted more to that side rather than, oh, it's a walled garden, that's not good. But why is it not good? Right, well gardens to a certain extent is it's okay just the people were um the whole conversation and arguments against world garden was that why if i have a um, social media account a on this social media platform i i can't easily shift all my my likes comments and friends and social graph to another platform right like i should be able to do that easily which you can a little bit more easily in web3 uh, that's the whole idea right of people working on that yeah. so yeah so I think it shifted in, in nuance. ones
0: yeah and you have said in the past before that you believe in like a, a kind of a mixed future like you're not a decentralization purist nor do I think many people are the longer I'm in this space the more I'm like okay nobody's nobody's really being a purist here about decentralization although I'm sure there are you know and there are definitely like the degens of the world but you've You've said before that you believe that the future really is like going to be a mix of decentralization and then centralized uh, companies and products and infrastructure. And then there was a third one that you included in there that I, I can't remember now how
1: you phrased CD5. it. CDFI.
0: Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. What is that?
1: Yeah. So CDFI is just short for centralized, decentralized finance.
0: Okay. Hold on. Yeah. So
1: i re- centralized, decentralized <laughs> finance. Let me just give my brain yeah. a minute. Okay, okay, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like a portmanteau, right? Like just the two two terms coming together. But I really truly honestly believe in that. Cause yeah, we would definitely still need the centralized side of the web three world, blockchain world, crypto world. Um, because I mean I have you know, I have centralized accounts, I have decentralized wallets, for example, right? I play in both worlds. Um there's definitely a space because a lot most people will not want um to handle the, the, at least right now, accessing Web3 proper non-custodial is like so difficult, right? It's it's messy. You, you need to write down your private keys and stuff like that. So yeah. th- there will be a wall there. Decentralized for sure as well. Again, like you said, that extremist, I mean, not extremist, but um, again, maximalist. Yeah, yeah. And so CD5 really, I think is interesting because it's there, but also I think coming up, right? So for example, in the Binance app, you can now access PancakeSwap. For example, PancakeSwap is the largest, uh, da- literally the largest decentralized app whole of Web3. It's native of BNB chain. It's, um, so I think there'll be more aspects like that where it allows, you know, um, someone of an account on a centralized, uh, in the centralized platform to be able to access the, the decentralized world in a easier way, right? So you still log in with an email and a password. Right to that centralized account, and then yet you still can access the the benefits of it. Yeah, and it also
0: creates some kind of regulatory clarity, and and maybe processes that people know that they can put their they can kind of like put their money through this process that documents it, so to speak. They understand what their tax reporting responsibilities are. For example, they understand what kind of like wallet hygiene they need in order to make sure the things are in the right places. And there's just some clarity that way too. Like a Transact kind of takes a similar approach with, with being the on-ramp integration that, that helps on-ramp people into the, into the DeFi world. And yet like Transact is regulated. Transact is licensed, you know, in the UK and follows compliance uh, protocols, you know, like they follow, they they follow compliance procedures in order to like maintain that that level of regulatory clarity that's required, I think, if you want to play in both worlds, you know, just so that people know, not that one is necessarily the right way and the other way is the wrong way or, or whatever, not even looking at it from a moralistic point of view, just, just in terms of like making there be some kind of clarity around the process so that people know how to set their money up, how to set their wallets up, and they understand, like, where the parameters are. And and they they just have clarity around that. I think that's something people yeah. are really calling for more and more is just clarity. Yeah, I, I
1: agree <laughs> with you. Yeah, Exactly, right? Clarity. And then the KYC is still important. Yes. Right? And, and it's it's for many, many different reasons, right? And, and so you're absolutely right. I think that's one huge portion of it. And you mentioned tax. Yeah, for sure. <laughs>
0: yes. Oh, my gosh. And the more that I talk to people, the more I'm like, really need to move out of the united states because <laughs> like yeah. even the other day somebody was like why don't you get paid in crypto yet and i was like because i would have to do capital gains taxes and a lot of people that i were talking that i was talking to were like oh yeah we don't have to worry about that where we live i was like what like it's seems so." Yeah, I-, I don't make it i don't i'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I live in New York City, which is probably like the most, like it's like one of the strictest, you know, regulatory areas to live in. So if I want to do this for the rest of my life, I have to start thinking a little bit about.
1: Hey, but New York has nice jazz. Oh, yeah. Culture. yeah. The benefits yeah. right now
0: definitely outweigh the, the
1: cons yeah. at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I love New York. I love New York. Oh, cool. Yeah. Do you go to jazz clubs when you come here? Like, is there one that you like? Yeah, I really, I really try. I, the last time I was in New York was actually quite, quite some, time ago again all before covid yeah. and stuff like that but i remember uh going to this hotel actually a hotel bar i cannot yeah. remember where but i just walked in randomly i bumped into a friend actually weirdly i guess new york is small in that way it and does feel like a small town sometimes it does it does it does so it's literally random because i was alone on a work trip and I again I bumped with a friend in New York City, right? Love yeah. that. Yeah, so it was beautiful, beautiful vocals. Loved it. Loved
0: that. Yeah, the hotels here are a vibe. Like sometimes I'll go and work from a hotel lobby. I'll go and order lunch and coffee, and I'll work from the hotel lobby because they're also historic and so beautiful. And a lot, a, oftentimes they do have live music, which is really cool.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So I love that one, New York. So yeah, count your blessings. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay. So as you know, on, in, on Masters of Web 3, we talk a lot about people's backgrounds because our audience is full of aspiring developers, aspiring founders, industry folks, like people who are are choosing this as a career. And so I always like to kind of harvest some lessons and Learnings from people's experience and background, so um, we'll go ahead and transition a little bit into your personal story if if that's if that works for you
1: <laughs> yeah of course <laughs>
0: cool so I want to know what was it that led you to crypto and do you remember what your first crypto investment was, what wallet you used, and what the year was?
1: Yes. So for me, um, I mentioned earlier, like, you know, um, for me, Web3, blockchain, crypto, what is an evolution, but also a step change. So I can tell you the story. I first saw Bitcoin in 2010. I was just surfing the internet on my old MacBook Pro. there's a reason why I'm saying that, not an advertisement. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I... I just I just read a lot of random stuff on the internet, right? So I transferred Bitcoin. My mind was blown, like seriously, mind blown. Because back then, if you wanted to transfer money to your friend, uh, and this is twenty ten, right? You you still needed, you know, it's Sunday ten p.m. or something. The banks were closed. You couldn't do that. Um, yeah. When I saw Bitcoin, I was like, wow, this is the way money should work. Why should I have to wait for Monday morning for the banks to open to be able to transfer anything from $10 or, or $1,000 to you, right? Yeah. So that was one aspect of it. Second aspect of it was how the key thing for me was that how strangers, quote unquote, was coming together to create almost Bitcoin together. Yeah. Because it's, as we all know, it's, it's, you know, it's a ledger. You have many people supporting, you know, um, literally the existence of Bitcoin. And that was beautiful for me. Like, this is how, what the internet should be. You connect with people, strangers from faraway lands, you know, with different expertise, in this case, just computing power, <laughs> right? And, and you collaborate, create something together. For me, that's like, like, collaboration of it um yeah That was so beautiful yeah because this harkens back to i said this before uh, somewhere as well where when i was much younger i was participating in nasa's uh, seti at home program the search for et at home using your idle computing power you could help hunt <laughs> et oh so, i love that yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I, that's So i said from a big physics person and, and just universe questions right so for me, it was, like, just beautiful, again, working with strangers. So, Bitcoin, I was mind-blown. I downloaded software back then to try to mine it on my computer. But I w- at the same time, I was running two things of my own, the entrepreneurialism that you mentioned. So, I was actually super, super busy. Um, and I so, at the same time, while I was mind-blown, I didn't have enough mind space to really kind of, really sync into Bitcoin. Yeah, really, like, dedicate yeah. yourself to it and focus on yeah. it. Yeah, so life happens right yeah so yeah so basically i i, I didn't succeed in mining i, I did a little bit of, of none at all basically and then i probably bought some bitcoin again i think in 2012 2013 so just a few years later when again i'm just going back you know and and i just opened an account on a very very old platform i cannot remember the name right now but around then okay if you if you name some names i can tell you which one but i cannot remember it right now
0: okay that's okay. Yeah. Do you remember uh, your first wallet? Was that also like a, a wallet that was linked to that
1: exchange? Yes, correct. So the f- the very first one then, I mean, so you, if you discount uh, my mining, the software mining on my laptop back then, then you could mine on your laptop technically, apparently. Um, so my first, I guess, proper one was, yeah, definitely a centralized wallet. Okay, got it. When I bought it. Yeah, I got Fiat in, yeah. So first time I mine was 2010 and bought in 2012, 2013, I think. Awesome. And then do
0: you remember, like, do you have like a first win in your mind? Like, is, is your story with Bitcoin punctuated with like a first big win? Like for a lot of people, it was the 2017 bull run. But there were a couple little ups and downs before then.
1: Yeah, this is a great question. I would love to say a big yes, you know, like am I in like a lot or something? No. <laughs> um, actually, I would say that my first big win was probably more around um, more j- just before the bull run, j- maybe about 2016 or so when it's almost like every two to three years, I'm checking back in Bitcoin again. And so I saw that the ones I bought in the exchange had risen in value. Right. So that's when it kind of got me started, restarted, um, kind of back into the space yeah. and, and, you know, just reading up more on it again, such that in 2017, um, after I left Mashable, I took a sabbatical, but, be, but doing that, I was doing a few things and to during a sabbatical, one of my aims was actually to create, um, try to do another startup. So I tried to do a blockchain identity startup, actually, because I really believe in a, again, in self-sovereignty, ownership of data, identity. Yeah. And yeah, so that was then.
0: Identity is so important. I've been like diving down that rabbit hole lately too. In fact, last, a couple episodes ago, I keep referencing her, but we had Anastasia Yuglova on from Lighthouse. And prior to joining Light, Lighthouse, is a new startup in this space, um, they're they're one they're positioning themselves as the search engine of the metaverse. Uh, but prior to joining Lighthouse, Anastasia wrote her thesis on data privacy, privacy and identity in the metaverse, and she published it on Mirror. So if you want to read it, I highly recommend it. Um, but I she has been like we are still in touch, and she's been hugely instrumental in helping me understand the real implications of decentralized identity being like. Similar to just like in the physical world, how I can get in my car and drive to the grocery store to do my grocery shopping there, and then I get in my car and I drive to this—I don't know—the outlet malls to do my shopping, and then I get in my car and then I drive to a restaurant to meet my friends. You know, like I am the I am the person that's driving from these physical places to these other physical places in order to like have an experience. And in the metaverse, it should work similarly. Like there should be one self-owned, sovereign identity that travels around from space to space to space and the data is stored there compared to the data being stored in all of the different Metaverse locations that we go into.
1: So I love that, and I want to offer also as another kind of point of view. Yes, right? please. So I, d- yeah. So you know, we've seen um, Vitalik's uh, talk about soulbound bound tokens, right? Yeah, I think it's immensely important for a few reasons. One of which, KYC, was mentioned earlier already, and then another reason I would also say is the fact that quote-unquote, real life, like physical life, you still have um, the idea of, you know, you're going through education, doing school, you have your certificates, right? You have yes. credentials, so to speak. But I think what one beauty about Web3, and actually even in a Web2 world, we already have this, which is that, we are all. We all have different social media accounts. We are actually different people on the different social media accounts. Yeah. So you think about it, right? Whatever you present on, on IG, whatever you present on on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, what have you, it's because the platform, the form factor is different. It um it creates or incentivizes certain different different kinds of posts. Yeah. Right? So Insta is more beautiful, let's say, right, and stuff like that. So like this Around one joke. LinkedIn, actually, everybody's
0: like. <laughs> Their identity is their professional identity. Yes. So I get yeah. on LinkedIn, and all my friends are like, I'm pleased to announce that I was just, I just accepted an offer here and here and here. And then, you know, you get on Twitter and everyone's like using, you know, slang and like using you know GM. a gm exactly <laughs> like no one's even speaking in complete words let alone
1: complete sentences over on twitter <laughs> that's true that's true that's true yeah so one thing um I, it's actually was a private joke but now i'm saying it here to you telling you megan but all my social media accounts i write my location as um universe yeah and with a hash sign and different numbers okay i did notice that so on what, your twitter what does it mean <laughs> So what it means to me is that these numbers are really random but it's like my own private joke where again, every single social media account, you're presenting a different kind side of yourself consciously or unconsciously. So it's almost like it's a different me from a different universe. Mm. So, so that's what it means. So I I think our identities have always been fragmented. Again, take away social media. Who your, your work colleagues know you as is very different from what your friends, your partner know you as. Yeah. Right? We are already fragmented and it's code-switching. It's just contextual. Yeah. And again, a lot of it is conscious and unconscious at the same time. Yeah. So I think a web three, it this is, again, another extreme, right? Literally, we are talking and having calls with people with just avatars, right? PFPs, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think one beauty, again, taking away the soulbound side of things because I think that's immensely important for, quote-unquote, the real person living in the physical world with perhaps one passport or a few passports. Yeah. I think it will evolve more and more to all of us having, again, different avatars online. Maybe one avatar or one identity you have in, in Web3 world is just that that artistic, that, that art identity. The other one is the jazz musician identity. I don't know, right? Maybe because for that person, for some reason, you don't want it to mix. Many reasons why you may or may not want it to mix. But I think that's the beauty of online is that you can choose to almost co- compose your own, own identity in a... In a, in a much more fluid way, right? So, of course, this brings up a lot of questions as to, like, then how do you know, like, when I'm talking to Megan on this platform, you know, um, like, what do I, how do I... C U S. Yes. So there's a lot of philosophical questions here as well, which I love to dive into. But but identity is such a such an individual topic as well, right? Yeah. Well, and I guess that's
0: probably where you have something like a KYC token come into place, where people can verify that I am who I am without having to see all of my private information. Or without having to see all of my activity, you know, like if I went into a metaverse space that I didn't want them to see or if I participated in something that I didn't want them to see for whatever reason, right? Like maybe that's a professional relationship compared to a social one or something like that. Like they could still verify my identity without seeing all of my activity necessarily or all of my, all of my PII. Um, Yep. But yeah. agree. Correct. It's a lot. (laughs)
1: it's a lot it's a lot
0: but also you know the the core foundation is like that the that the person the person the the physical person the soul if you will i the the soul bound name kind of freaks me out to be honest but i understand where it comes from because it's like the person is the one with the sovereignty to determine who gets to see what why when and in what contexts
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm really excited to see how that evolves and how is you know, it's use cases essentially.
0: Yeah. Ooh, so many things to talk about here. <laughs> I feel like we're just scratching the surface. Um, okay. We are definitely just only. <laughs> well, talk a little bit about, let's like focus a little bit now on BNB chain and how like, and, and BNB chains, chains role in, in all of this. Um, Because, you know, when we're talking about the metaverse, there are so many elements at play here. I mean, for some people, the metaverse and blockchain are synonymous. But of course, that's not the case for every every virtual world, right? Um, but I think anybody that I talk to on Masters of Web 3 will agree that the metaverse is going to be built on blockchain. Um, but yeah, can you just maybe talk a little bit about BNB, ch- BNB Chain's role in all of this? Um, and what projects you are engaging with right now that you feel excited about?
1: Yeah, so BNB Chain, we are the largest Web3 community today. So we are a layer one blockchain. So what this means is that we are a smart contract platform, and decentralized apps build on us, right? And so our ecosystem is extremely diverse. We have about one million daily active wallet addresses slash users um, as a rough guy. Um, so again, on a daily basis, 1 million or so. All-time high was about 2.27 million. So this growth has been immense over the last two years. Because BNB chain, we went live on mainnet in September 2020. And today we are the largest Web 3 community in terms of users. So that's been, been amazing because you've been, you know, the last two years, you're you're really seeing the growth of proper Web3, right? We had the DeFi summer, NFT, GameFi, and with that, BNB chain also grew. So for us, one thing that's very, very important is not just the present. It's really about mass crypto adoption because we truly believe that blockchain Web3, you know, is so, um, it's such a step change again in technology that allows... Um, a lot of benefits to to for many different reasons and across to many different people parts of the value chain for whichever for most economies, right? So, we want to really get a whole industry ready for mass crypto adoption. So we always say our goal is to get to get crypto to one billion users. And you've got on so, record
0: saying that you believe that can happen in just a couple of years, right? Like two or three years.
1: Megan, You've done your research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i yeah so that's my prediction let's see what i'm correct okay we we'll nft this we all have I, an I, open I, well, mind we all have a yes. very open mind <laughs> yeah so let's see let's see fingers crossed right we all love to be right but let's see yeah maybe we too optimistic always <laughs> optimistic actually I, I am but yeah so so i really think that that's immensely important because it was so nascent, you know technology always has growing, everything has growing pains and so we see so many growing pains in our world right now, right all the hacks, scam exploits and stuff like that, security risks. But again, all this part and parcel of just evolving as an industry. So there's a lot more work to do. And so for us, we see our role as, you know, being one of the chains that you can build on. You know, we want people to have choice, developers to have choice. We think that BNB Chain has proven robustness and scalability, right? Again, supporting 1 million daily actives with zero downtime uh, the last two years, which is amazing. We slowed down at all-time highs, but... Never went down, so that's um, we're yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Thank you. We're immensely proud of that, and you know we're still we we're still evolving even more, working with partners to ensure there's more security across everything, and just again more robustness in tech. So,
0: what is your core mission at BNB Chain, including investing in promising projects and Web three and leading the incubation program? Talk a little bit about that.
1: So for BNB chain, ultimately, you know, again, going back to mass crypto adoption, the key thing we ask ourselves is that what use cases are going to be present in a few months to a few years, right? We want to start investing, finding these projects to start working with them early. So my role specifically is really to talk to many projects, understand what they're doing, what problem... Are they solving for? What solution is are solving for? So I think it's very immensely interesting if a bunch of uh, the, the founding team of the, the different dApps or even infrastructure tooling and stuff like that, that they come with their own expertise, be it may, may, maybe they have PhDs in XYZ, right? They really lends a different eye. Or maybe they're seeing the problem in a new way or like composability, you know, they're kind of bringing people of different um, expertise together to reformulate the problem statement or reformulate the solution in a very unique way. So I really look for innovation because we don't want the industry to be just filled with you know the same, same, right? You To really, really evolve the industry, you need people to be original. You need people to be thinking from first principles, thinking really, about the core tenets of web three, what and what and enable. So I think a lot of the the again the use cases that will really be mass in the future, I I, I think a lot of them we we don't even we can't even think of them right now, right? We can protect, we can potentially kind of imagine. For example, Music it's something that music as a category, something that we're immensely interested in. There's a few BNB chain native uh, music projects, Music 5 projects that we're, we're very, very excited about. We've been partnering with them on a much deeper level the last few months, you know, the core team. So, you know, it's it's stuff like that where you're seeing kind of blooms of use cases, right? And and taking music again as an example, there's so many things to improve there, right? You look at the Web2 world, you know, the the musicians the artists only gets about like I don't know twelve percent or something of the streaming revenues yeah. right which makes you're like they should get more so so and then there's many things to solve for royalties you know and stuff like that so we I think that we we know that there are there are almost like challenges or topics that Web three um can come into but i think the question the question mark is still out as to like what exactly will really take off and what will really be again mass use cases so so yeah so my my role really is to try to um, you know, make sure that we are engaging with the most innovative projects out there and, and incubating them, right? Yeah. Making sure that they're coming into our ecosystem, they're the core team we can help amplify their work, accelerating their growth, be it from everything from, you know, just simple retweeting to going deeper with more strategic projects, uh, you know, a joint kind of go-to-market strategy. We also then um, talk about, you know, we, we do give grants, we also invest, and again, the incubation is very, very important. So, yeah, like most valuable builder as an incubation program has been going on for about uh, what, a year and a half and each time we have several hundred applicants applications and we only select like anything from 20 to 30 projects so immensely exciting um, program where they go through again an eight-week um five-site chat incubation program
0: so how does somebody kind of apply and um and do you have uh, an application round coming up and like how can people start preparing for that now if if they're listening to this and this is uh piquing their interests
1: yeah so the website for bmb chain is bmbchain.org, right and our twitter handles. At BNB chain. So we will put up, we have put up a lot of announcements right now. So, most valuable builder season six will kick off uh, in Q4, so October, November. Okay. So that's the uh- application period coming up that will be amazing if all of you builders you know developers out there who are listening to this please do apply check us check us out on the website check us out on twitter and yeah you can read about some of the projects that um that's been through the incubation just just in the BNB chain ecosystem that's been that's been very exciting
0: Amazing. So I want to wrap up with um, something that's related to this. And I thought you would be the perfect guest to, to ask these questions. Um, because your background is in media prior to joining BNB chain, you uh, founded a, a company uh, that covered tech and entrepreneurship in Asia. Um, that, that publication got acquired and is now part of, um, remind me the name of it again in Asia, right. So it's like you have this media background. Obviously, you're very media trained and you yourself do a lot of like public speaking and conferences are such a huge part of the crypto and Web3 circuit right now. And it's a great way to make relationships and meet people and also like um, unlock a level of visibility that's really important when you're a founder who has an idea and you're trying to to get support for that idea. So um Man, I'm just going to brag about you for a little bit too. On top of all that, you've been interviewed and featured on global publications like the BBC, Al Jazeera, uh, Channel News Asia, Prestige, Esquire. The list goes on and on. So what is your advice for Web3 entrepreneurs who want to prepare for this kind of visibility and speaking opportunities, whether that's being involved in panels or giving keynotes or – interviewing on podcasts such as this one, how do you prepare for that and why is that important for today's developers and founders?
1: Oh, love that question, Megan! I think you're the first person that's really, really asked me that. I think, yeah. Well, you have
0: such a wealth of experience to, to pull from, so I think it would be really helpful because I know. Thank you, thank you, Megan. I go to these conferences and and I'm naturally charismatic and I think naturally conversational. But when it comes to like formal opportunities, I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm so good. Like, you know what I mean? I'm have it's it's a learning curve. I think for a lot of people to go into these conferences.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It is. Yeah. So my background is media and tech. I've always been at the intersection of both right so I think that answer is one part of the answer to your question is that I've always been reading about tech building in tech building stuff with tech right everything around it so I really love the space in general right like in general meaning the whole space so I'm just really deeply passionate again about how tech changes our lives and and can potentially change our lives so i think advice then to to people is that to really understand your space i think that's important and the thing about building new things is that you will not have 100 percent information right a lot of times you're building for a new market you're building for something that people will not understand you will be misunderstood so it's really to just know what you're comfortable with to know what you don't know. Mm, I think that's very important. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 it's okay because we're all still new and building. Like again, we we joke about a 1 billion. I think it's 1 billion in like a few years, right? Just because I, I just have seen um, you know, the tech world evolve for the last, again, 16, 17 years, and that's just my gut feel. I may be wrong, right? Again, yeah. on on part of video, right? Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> um, yeah. So, do you think so, that so, um, do you think
0: that people have the expectation that they should ha- know all the answers and that they should they should ha- be right all the time in order to deserve those kinds no. of opportunities? Yeah.
1: No, that's the thing. Yeah. So, I think the key thing is to really understand your space of knowledge and then the space of what you don't know. Again, what you know you need to be very clear about what you know, very clear about what you don't know, and how you are trying to bridge that gap. Yeah. Right. So, I think that's important because. P- we're all here to learn together. I think that's important. So if such entrepreneurs, you know, um, looking and we can talk about why they should look for these opportunities is that it's people want to hear from your experience and learn with you and see how you think, because, you know, by sharing your mental models, your frameworks of looking at a problem space and, and just market in general, um, it illuminates as to how you are thinking about building for the world and in the world. So then second point, I think, to your question, Megan, regarding, um, I guess, the importance of, of such opportunities. I, I would say there's this a bit of a mixed thing, right? So I, I would say that execution first is very important in your own project. Execution meaning actually building the product, actually trying to find product market fit and finding customers and users. So I think that's second most important first. I know it's a bit of a tangent, but I think that's immensely important to emphasize because one shouldn't be... In my opinion, um, chasing "quote unquote" just speaking opportunities, I think, can be a distraction, because mm. you know, uh, you know, yeah. you know. In the past, we the term was 15 minutes of fame," right? And with the um, Social media generation—you more people, quote unquote, wanting to be grow, wanting to grow up to be influencers, right? You've seen the surveys for young kids. So, I mean, personally, that worries me. But that's another topic altogether, <sighs> right? But you do see some aspects. Yeah, I can see your eyes rolling. I think you agree <sighs> with me as well. <laughs> I have such mixed feelings about this. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. So, so, but, but the thing is, that to your point, right? I think in this world, um, I think it's important to. To, to be heard for several reasons. And this is where I'm going to go into and why media really interests me is that, and I'll go back to the origin of SG Entrepreneurs. The tech blog that I started in, I co-founded in 2005 was because back then, if you were a young technology startup, you wouldn't be covered in traditional media mm. because back then the whole concept of startups was very alien. Mm. So my my opinion, why I started it was because I thought that, you know, as a young startup, all the more you need it to be visible to potential customers and investors. Media is a great platform to just amplify your work. It's an amplification platform, yeah. right? So if you want your good work to be heard and used, you do need to amplify your work, right? Yeah. So the key thing here is to know why you need amplification. Because, um, yeah, again, I don't want people to chase after, again, after speaking after speaking after right. speaking because it can be very very distracting so I think that's that's very important I know my answer is very very long no Megan, did you so did yeah. you say aligned amplification or, or- uh, yeah to know like why you you want amplification because yes. ultimately the power of media it's telling stories is getting your word out Yeah, right so I think if you are building something tr- that you truly believe will change the world in a good way um, I know that's very moralistic now but you know that you truly believe will help you know yeah. society yeah then yeah, you 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 should get your word out there. It's no longer selfish. It's not selfish. You want your work, your product to be heard more because you want people to use it. So I think I I mean I would like to think I come from that space, and I would love to see more people come from that angle. Yeah, you know, rather than just
0: self-aggrandizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So do you think that that also takes some pressure off too? Like if people get their first big maybe keynote opportunity or opportunity to participate in a panel. Do you think that seeing it as an extension of the work that you're already doing or just an, an alignment um, an alignment of like your passion and your purpose, do you think that that helps take some pressure off so it doesn't feel like you're maybe switching into this influencer persona or something like that that feels unnatural or foreign to you?
1: Yeah, actually, yes, I, w- I would say so, right? Because if you take out the, the fact that – you are the the face of it, you know, you again, again, I mean, that's for me, that's the way I think about it, right? Which is that you're spreading good work or spreading good word and good work. Yeah. Right. I think that's very, very important. So, so funny that you mentioned that, uh, Megan, because literally just yesterday, I was in a few meetings and someone asked me, Gwen, why don't you do TikTok? i
0: like, oh, <laughs> uh, not for, not for me, not for me. <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: I mean, I'm on other social media platforms, but um, for me at least, uh, the TikTok world doesn't, uh, I'm not that. Yeah, I'm not a selfie-taking person. I want to take more pictures with memories with friends, but I'm not a selfie person. That's not me.
0: But if it could be, now I'm putting you on the spot if it could further your cause and like could you ever see TikTok as an extension of the work that you're doing and could you ever find a reason to get behind it do you think it could ever be that for um, you?
1: Yeah so I would say never say never right <laughs> yeah. because yeah because I think I mean opinions can change with context again I think that's very very important right so for me again I've never been a uh, very much a selfie person I I'm just not very comfortable you know in that sense even though i've, I've done tv which is really weird mm-hmm. but um but but the thing is is that to your point if there's some reason someday where i think that being on for example tiktok or whatever the platform let's say a web3 platform right that i think is very crucial to the cause absolutely the organization or then myself in a sense have to do it and then so then the the key question then for entrepreneurs listening to this is that it's finding a balance between what you're comfortable with, and and what works for the course, right? Because I don't think you should be someone you're not. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. But it's a finding that balance is where you can be okay with.
0: Yeah, yeah. And for you being on TV and being, I'm assuming, I'm assuming a little bit of a writer in there. If you started a blog, you know, or at the very least a reporter, like you saw yourself more as a reporter for for a moment in time, and now of course that's translated into speaking panels podcast interviews that kind of thing um you're saying yeah, that was me, more natural than than being on tiktok for example
1: yeah for me yeah because actually i people have called me a journalist and i would Put another way is that I just love asking questions. <laughs> same. I, yeah. So I know I can tell Megan, you ask very good questions, <laughs> right? You. So yeah, you're interested in the person. I really enjoy that. So yeah, so I really just like asking questions. And I love, again, understanding what products in front of me, what innovation is, how are you are doing it? So then with that, is all quote unquote journalistic questions and they're all also investor questions, mm. right? So that's why my background of entrepreneur, investor, and media person has always been the same. Honestly, uh, my career has looked maybe to the to someone someone people have called me messy before. Oh I'm no, like, really? Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm like they don't understand, right? <sighs> uh, yeah, thank you, Megan. A nicer way would be kind of like. Um, what's what's the word? Cause like like a multi hyphenate, you know, like you know, yes. you, you're kind of doing different things, yeah. yeah. So again, euphemism, what what have you? Doesn't matter to me, right? But for me, it's always been a threat. So I think again, like going back to your question, Megan, regarding for for people kind of thinking about you know how they should navigate the world. Again, it's just about figuring out uh, what works for, for that person. Yeah. Yeah, so for me, I just love asking questions and and sharing a good work. I think that's very, very important. So then it just evolved to this. I didn't plan to be this way, but I enjoy, I really enjoy talking, Yeah. essentially. Yeah. To people, to having conversations, actually, having conversations. And I think
0: that that's a skill that's really needed, especially in Web3. Um, that ability to connect the dots and make relationships across ideas or um, technologies that maybe seem like they have nothing in common, like being able to kind of create relationships and connections is actually a really important skill that I think more people are more people are starting to wake up to that
1: fact. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's a great point you mentioned that because that's a definitely important skill, especially in your role now, Megan, as a moderator. You know it as well as I do, right? That It takes a lot to to think of research. You've done your research, obviously. Thank you. <laughs> and to, yeah. To think about all the different aspects and to, to weave them together. And I, I think that's a very beautiful. And I think, um, yeah, that more people should just, you know, just, I think everyone here, we're here to improve our skills. So that, I think there's one thing to think about. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Um, so the last question I always like to wrap up with, and you can interpret this as literally or as figuratively as you would like is what will, what does somebody need or what qualities does somebody possess in order to be the next master of Web3?
1: <laughs> wow. That's a great question.
0: And maybe adding the caveat that there's not going to just be one. That's the whole point of, of Web3. Yeah, <laughs> there's yeah, not going to yeah, be like yeah. an overlord of any kind. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> who's going to, you know, to participate among the people who are building Web3 to become
1: a master? Be led by curiosity. Yeah, I think that's the key. I think that's the key because there's there's just so much to learn. Like myself, I, I I there's a lot of things I still don't know, right? And there's a lot of things we're still learning together as an ecosystem. So choose one topic. I would say, be it in, for example, DeFi or GameFi, right? NFTs that you think interests you the most because of whatever reason you have. Yeah, and just understand that on a deeper level. And when you start somewhere it to fall into the rabbit hole allow yourself be, to fall into the rabbit hole and that's how someone learned and can be a master one master of web 3. I love that I love that that growth mindset is super
0: important for sure well this has thank you Megan <laughs> this has been a really enlightening <laughs> conversation I relate to you so much I'm, I'm just have really loved talking to you and hope we can keep in touch and maybe have you back on the show one day and yeah
1: love talking to you Megan thank you for your questions I love that <laughs> how do people get in touch with you so for myself I'm at Gwendolyn Virginia. it's very long but Gwendolyn Virginia, and again BNB chain we're at BNB chain everywhere perfect and everyone who's listening should look out for the next
0: application cycle which is coming up in October right
1: yes okay. thank you Megan
0: good memory Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right well I will let you go have a great evening a great night for you at this point it's it's late at night so thank you again and um i hope you rest well all right
1: cool thank you thank you megan thank you and enjoy the rest of your day (laughs) i'll see you i'll see you in new york for some jazz one day yes i'll see you at a hotel lobby (laughs) yes that'll be great while you're working and i'll be listening to jazz (laughs) i love it (laughs) Yeah. okay awesome thank you megan again thank you
0: You've been listening to Masters of Web 3, a Transact podcast. Stay connected with us by subscribing to the show, giving us a review, and sharing this episode with one of your friends on Twitter. We know you hang out there. (laughs) If you like what you've heard, please rate the show. That helps us to keep delivering the best and latest stories on blockchain technology right to your ears. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this has been Masters of Web 3.